0: Scott here with episode 12 of KC Greats, the show that brings you inspirational stories of people doing great things right here in Kansas City. I was fortunate enough to speak with two guests at one time this week, Alex Altamar and Eric Wolschlager. Alex was introduced to me by a friend and client who I hope to have on the show in the next several weeks as well. As you'll hear during the show, Alex and Eric started out as competitors in the same business space. But now they've come together with two other team members to create a new venture. The cool thing about this is they're pioneering a new structure and a new approach to venture capital. They're doing it right here in Kansas City, not out on the coasts. Now, for me, speaking with Eric and Alex was a really great education on how venture capital actually works. It's a complex subject, but they help me get my head around what they're bringing to the table and why it's so different from the norm so sit back and enjoy this one and by the end I think you'll gain a real appreciation for a team that's doing great things for our town hey folks Scott here again, back with another episode of Casey Greats, and uh, I think you're really going to like this one. It's probably going to highlight a lot of things that you may not be aware that are going on in town, and you know introduce you to some things that are going on that are just new to you, but a lot of exciting stuff uh, with the two guys that we've got here today. I've got Alex Altamar, did I get that right? Sure. Okay, and Eric Welshlinger, Welshlinger, yep. Welshlinger. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty basic on the names, but great. And these guys are from a new venture called the Collective Fund, and we're gonna get to what that is in a bit. But first, guys, you know how did you get here? I mean, uh, Eric, are you a Casey native, or did you end up here for something, or what?
1: Uh, I'm from Omaha originally, and I. Okay. Uh, Came down to Kansas City chasing a girl and a dream, and uh, <laughs> good plan. still, yeah, still here, uh, twelve years later, and, so and no regrets.
0: Did you get the girl or the dream?
1: That's <laughs> you know, I definitely got the girl. My wife Stacy and I've been married for eleven years now, and um, you know, I like to say I'm always continuing to chase dreams, so never, never satisfied. So that's a, that's a good guess. <laughs> yeah. As long
0: as you got the first one, that is the exactly dream, right. She's the
1: foundation for a lot. There yeah.
0: you go. Awesome man. So Omaha. So you got the Midwest uh, Midwest vibe, the work ethic, the understanding of you know good people and things like.
1: Yeah. That. No, I, you know it's funny. I never expected to be here very long term, and um, what I found eventually. I mean, Alex and I are. You know, I met him along my journey at one point where I finally woke up one day realizing uh, you're not going to Chicago or San Francisco or anything like that. It's time to plug in here, and you know, running into people like Alex really kind of showed me, at least, that everything I thought I wanted in other cities existed here. The difference being. Instead of having to plug into it somewhere else, we actually have the power to create it here. And so um, that's what I think is so exciting about Kansas City and what keeps me alive here and excited about what's going on.
0: Well, that's pretty cool because that kind of hits on a theme a lot of folks have brought up when I talk to them is uh, they get here and they're almost a little surprised about what there is to, to offer. And one guy that I, I spoke with a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine works actually for the Chiefs. He said one thing he heard that really summed it up is Kansas City doesn't have a retention problem. Once people get here, sure. and that's a really good way to summarize it. So, Well, cool, man. We're glad, we're glad we've are glad got you here. You bet. Alex, how about you, man? You're, you're a native, right? I'm a native.
2: I grew up in Leewood and then Excellent. spent a few years out in Los Angeles for college. Well, that's fun. And came back, uh, largely because, well, Los Angeles is a great place, tons of energy, Certainly. tons going on, but not a lot of opportunity. Really? Right. That's because of the cost of living, and part of that's just because there's so many people. There's a lot less space to do stuff density so it's a great place to for culture and exposure to things and adventure but when it comes time to actually do or build something it's tremendously difficult so that was what brought me back was just knowing that there was some opportunity here this was home and once I started looking at Kansas City I realized there's a lot more opportunity than I thought to do things and by that I mean that there was a lot of little pieces that were missing that could fill in the gaps that you don't have with like when you in a city like la which has absolutely everything is mature and filled out, and you know, there's a little Ethiopia, there's a little everything <laughs> that has its own culture and community and yeah. here, it's hard to find Ethiopian food. Yeah, we've and still got
0: some growth to go on, on certain aspects. Sure,
2: absolutely. And that potential for growth looks a lot like opportunities. An entrepreneur thinking, oh, what do I want to start? Where do I want to take my career? And what do I want to do? And so, in a way, it's kind of this dangling carrot of, these are kind of low-hanging fruits of, there's a lot of cultural restaurants that even... To, you know, the, uh, there's more, and more every every day. New restaurants are opening, but you can still open a restaurant here and be the first one to introduce a type of cuisine to Kansas City. But that said, we still have a lot of the things that a big city needs in terms of culture and the other parts huh, too.
0: That I never heard it put that way. That's really cool. It yeah. sounds, I, I guess, we probably even in the the area you guys play in now, kind of the the ventures and the startup world. I'm guessing Silicon Valley has a similar opportunity barrier because of so many things that are so central there, right There's a lot of people looking for funding and a lot of people that have mm-hmm. a big idea. not that we don't, but I'm guessing the numbers are a little bit scaled down they, for folks for folks competing for that attention oh, absolutely. you know here
1: in Kansas City
0: absolutely yeah, and I think so. the
1: burdens placed on you here in the Midwest are different right where um you know, we, we definitely have that lower cost of living, um, you know, lower expenses mean you've got more runway with whatever money you have. So uh, that's that's what I think makes it really attractive to, to build and grow here in the Midwest. That's
0: interesting. You mentioned cost of living. It makes me wonder I'm going a little off track and deep first, but it makes me wonder if those in the entrepreneur and the startup world here with the lower cost of living can have some things that maybe some quality of life, some family life that you couldn't get on the coasts, you know. And I know that's that's a big deal nowadays is entrepreneurship is hard. It takes a lot out of you and it probably takes a lot out of your family too. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Well nowadays you guys are working on something you call the collective funds, right? Mm-hmm. Give a give me a layman's idea of, of what this is. Is it venture capital or what?
1: Well, it's a a $10 million fund. Um, It is a venture capital fund, so we'll invest um, by the time it's all said and done anywhere from 20 to 35 companies or so in that range, um, anywhere from $100,000 up to a million, um, and really try to be one of many investors in, in any given deal. What we found here in Kansas City is um, if you've been operating a successful business for a number of years and you need some growth capital to expand operations, hire new people, anything like that, um, as long as you can show people tax returns and the you know, traditional business metrics of money, um, there's a lot of money to be dumped on top of you know, a well-burning fire. I think when we look at some of these earlier stage companies, they don't have a lot of those traditional metrics. All they have is a really fantastic idea, a product, and they've maybe started to earn their first dollars in revenue um maybe still in the garage maybe could be a second job well and a lot of times you know have friends or family members who are working part-time for them or on the side moonlighting yeah um they're ready to take that next step and hire those people on full-time or get office space or you know go you know strike up some big deals outside of the city um doing that without growth capital or this early stage capital is really hard to do And so that was the gap we saw and that's really what we wanted to fill so Interesting.
0: So we, we lack that first step of funding, it sounds like, or for those companies around here. And that's the gap you guys saw you could fill. Well, Where we do a tremendous job as a city,
2: in, especially in this last decade, is everything that comes before revenue. So if you want to learn, oh, I have this idea for a new product. How do I get it manufactured? How do I file an LLC? Oh, I need to make payroll. How do I start a payroll and, and, and pay somebody? So All these questions... There's a lot of institutions and programs that do a tremendous job here in Kansas City of teaching you how to form your business and get started and and assess, is this a good idea? Everything you need to go before you hit the go button. And then there's uh, still a pretty robust community offering things like co-working spaces, incubators, and accelerators which help you take the idea and get to your first dollar of revenue. So now that you have your idea, you've gone through it, uh, you've made a, perhaps a business plan, um, and you've learned uh, through these Kauffman Fast Track. There's a lot of these programs here. Um, you can go to these program these these next kind of step in the pipeline, which is incubators, accelerators, and co-working spaces, which are all a very fertile ground for getting started and getting going, getting to that first dollar revenue, finding your first customer and getting your business positioned for growth. And then that's where things kind of drop off because we have also a very well-established investment community here and venture capital funds who are looking for businesses like a well-burning fire. Eric said it really well. Three to five million in revenue and 20% growth year over year, at least three years financials because then you show this track record that fits neatly into an Excel spreadsheet, which you can analyze and say, yeah. This is a good investment opportunity or not, and it fits kind of the traditional idea of investment. But right in the middle there, you can kind of see where these two worlds collide. So mm-hmm. there's the education piece, which kind of transitions into action at the accelerators and incubators here in town, um, and that's a very hands-on process. That's very interpersonal, a lot of mentorship, things a lot of like mentorship. that. Absolutely, uh, it's all about connections and perspective and. Those things don't fit into that Excel spreadsheet that's used over here on the other side. It's a lot more gut way.
0: feelings, a lot more impressions, a lot more personal contact than we're looking at your ROI and we're mm-hmm. looking at your balance sheet then, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. exactly. So it's not hard to understand why this kind of gap exists because
2: those two don't really mesh well together. Sure. Well. So that was where the collective came in was uh, both Eric and I, our background and actually how we met was we both each ran incubators here in town.
0: Okay. Now, you were um, you were instrumental in starting beta blocks, right, mm-hmm. Eric? I think uh, the Sprint Accelerator, mm-hmm. is that right? Yep. Cool. So
1: you brought that out from internal uh, of Sprint. Yeah, it was uh, j- just uh, an idea that was formed in- inside the walls and yeah, uh, created a facility in downtown Kansas City.
0: Okay. So this wasn't just some you know late-night coffee idea you guys hatched. You've been at that first stage, watched people get to the later stage, and that middle is what you've seen from experience is kind of lingering. <laughs> yeah. And as an incubator
2: owner, our success as an institution depends on the success of the people who exit a program. So when they stall right there, that's, that's really bad uh, as an incubator <laughs> owner. But it's bad for a lot of things. It's bad yeah. for the community. It's a company that could have created jobs that isn't as quickly as possible or generated yeah. tax revenue. By any metric, that's a problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's one or 10 people out of work that are either moving away, looking for other jobs Mm -hmm. that other people may not, you know, Mm -hmm. have, stuff like that. Well, I think that
1: was the real challenge we saw. You know, these aren't just, these aren't statistics or metrics. These are like people that we knew, you know, organizations that had two choices. Either A, um, they shut down operations because they couldn't afford to fund it themselves anymore or they couldn't find the proper funding to keep growing. Or B, they moved out of town and you know i think we've seen a number of our friends mm-hmm. um personally like leave town for this early stage fin- uh, financing round interesting so that's where i mean number one it's on a personal
0: level it's on a people level yeah. which is fantastic for to me our mentality here in kansas city we we love to keep our own home but you know like you said that's that's a huge gap you know we're not doing that for people so Interesting. Um, sounds like an awesome concept. I can't imagine people not getting behind it. Now, you guys are taking this a little different than than my understanding of a regular VC fund, right? What mm-hmm. What's kind of the twist that you've put into this? So where those
2: two worlds collide, the, a, a, in a venture capital fund in a traditional sense and an incubator, like I said, incubators are very hands-on interpersonal. In a traditional venture capital fund, while they may place people on the board of directors, they're not in the day-to-day, and they're not actually driving... in a hands-on sense, the outcomes. So we created the the concept behind the collective, although it is in every sense and structurally and legally a venture capital fund, it's this hybrid incubator investment fund. So um, one of the things we did was we allowed the opportunity for any of our investors in our fund to participate in the growth of the business, whatever that may mean. And I I leave it intentionally broad. If they have connections to people in the industry or can help give them perspective – or perhaps can help them with their marketing or advertising. Whatever they can do to be hands-on, we invite and encourage. Because that's still something that can have a tremendous impact on the growth of a company at this early stage.
0: Interesting. So, it, you know, step back from the big VC investment. Like you said, they put them on the board. But maybe not the day-to-day stuff like an incubator where you're getting people from crawling to walking. But this is more walking to jogging kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. So... It sounds like you're on the the investor side. You're looking to work with folks that may not have, may not have always been in that VC world. Maybe they're new to it too.
1: Yeah, in a couple of different ways. I think you know, for a lot of um, investors out there today, they're seeing that you know having money in the public markets is is fine and it's a great place to invest and grow over the long run. But a lot of money is being made in the private markets today too, and. Um, I think for a large majority of investors out there, um, access to private deals is still something that confounds most people. and where do you go um, to invest in you know we see we keep reading articles about Kansas City's growth and things happening here. Um, where do you go though, to get plugged into these these private deals? Kind of a
0: I don't have five million, but I've been successful and I'm an accredited investor. How can I get involved locally? Exactly. but I don't know how.
1: Exactly. Interesting. And then in addition to that, um, you know, we again have many friends who aren't quite at that accredited investor level yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're heavily involved in the community of Kansas City's growth. And they're they're young accountants and lawyers and designers and developers, traditional skill sets that companies like these are gonna grow upon the backs of. And a lot of them are saying the same thing. Like we, we we're investing in four hundred one Ks and retirement and everything like that, but Man, we know there's got to be more opportunity in some of these early private deals. And so we've carved out a small section of the fund for about 35 of those people as well. So these are young, up-and-coming leaders in Kansas City that don't meet the criteria of being accredited investor yet.
0: Okay. Now, that's interesting. That seems like that would, (laughs) for the future, incubate other angel investors once they are at that level as
2: well. So you're kind
0: of working both ends of the spectrum here.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, It's funny. Lawyer, our lawyer for this, when we first kind of talked about this conceptual idea of how can we let young people invest at a lower threshold and come on board and participate in the growth of these companies, the lawyer, our lawyer said, That's interesting, the same way you did, like, huh, that's unique and different. And it turns out we kind of headed in a direction that we didn't even really set out to like to establish this, but. What the SEC had passed this Reg D, which allowed unaccredited investors to participate in deals. So, you may have heard of like crowdfunding, for example. Yeah. And that still has kind of yet to um, coalesce around something tangible. <laughs> but there was this like intermediate provision which allowed us to have 35 non accredited investors invested in our fund. So, what this means is we could lower the bar. To make it substantially less of a capital commitment for these up and coming people who will someday be accredited, but they're younger professionals, so they haven't built their net worth, so they're not considered accredited investors. So, before this, before two years or about a year ago, they wouldn't have been allowed to participate in these investments. Not at all, basically. So, we were the first folks, still are the first, and as far as our lawyers are aware, only fund to actually use this regulation. And it caused all sorts of headache trying to figure out. (laughs) how to write this into the paperwork to protect everyone, to actually
0: use it, because there's no precedent for how this works. So somebody passed a regulation, and you guys are really pioneering in the VC world where this goes. I'm and these, it, yeah. these things are going to extend outside of Kansas sure.
1: So we, we think it works extremely well here in Kansas City, specifically because— and that's what our thesis really is centered around the Kansas City community. We only invest in companies here um, that are either um, founded here or growing here locally— Um, Because we believe that based on our investor pool that we have, we want to activate those people against these companies. We want them to feel pride in what's being built in their hometown and feel like they have a piece or a part of growing and and seeing success. I mean, our hope really, honestly, is we we know that economic growth for Kansas City is not going to come from relocating um, Fortune 500s to our, you know, grassy plots of ground here. Um, (laughs) It will come from discovering the next Cerner. Um, or the next H&R Block or the next whatever AMC you name the company that's got their headquarters in our city, a lot of them are grown here. And uh, the only way we're going to do that is by making bets on a whole bunch of them.
0: I think that's a great way to put it because, I mean, when you're you're trying to lure economic development-wise just another IBM or whatever outside of Kansas City, it's a pretty heavy cost usually is my understanding as far as tax abatements and things like that and you know community and investment from the the public sector Mm -hmm. um in this case i think a lot of these people probably want to stay here if they can Mm -hmm. Um, and that i'm guessing that's part of the big opportunity you guys are seeing they don't necessarily want to leave for the coast but if it's their their pride and their joy and their dream, and they've got to see it happen, which we know is how entrepreneurs work. We've got to make this succeed or die trying. They're going to go, you know. Yep. So why not give them all mm. everything they want? To even go a step further, the reality is we're going to lose some businesses to the coast. Sure.
2: Um, I see the problem with that to date has been the best businesses that do raise funding from the coast that get relocated there Often it's because they don't have any investors in Kansas City, but even if a business were to leave Kansas City and go to the coast, the big loss is that none of that capital from that business, if it were to sell or IPO, is going to come back to Kansas City because how many Kansas City investors had a chance to have even a small piece of equity in that? So that's our whole premise, and what we're setting out to change is if we can get involved and help accelerate them through the early stage but also get as many investors aligned behind the business as possible. Now, this waterfall from the success, even though it started in Kansas City and it's relocated, that money comes back to Kent City to continue to keep the cycle active of people reinvesting.
0: Yeah, well, with the uh, with the um, the day to day interaction you mentioned that they normally don't get from a board member or something, they'll have ties back maybe to a development firm or mm-hmm. you know marketing something like that that they'll still use when they're not here. I'm guessing mm-hmm. because they've got a good long term relationship there. That makes perfect sense. So. Well, interesting. Uh, what timeline-wise? It sounds like you're still kind of getting the balls rolling on this. Uh, what does that look like in the next, you know, twelve months? First investment, or
1: where are we at? Yeah, we're still in capital formation mode, but uh, I expect to have a, a good announcement here soon. Um, <laughs> you know, we're, it's it, we're still fundraising and and uh, you know putting legal documents in front of people. So it's it's uh it's definitely an ongoing you know hustle that we're
0: that we're cool. working as well so we just happen to be at the beginning of this year's tech week i'm guessing you guys are on, probably 24 7 on the prowl after you walk out of here to see what's going on in some of these new companies this week aren't you yeah
2: in fact so, we're one of the what's the the this not a, a, a associate company or someone someone we're partnered with kind tech of a week. presenting sponsor yeah, type thing yeah awesome yeah just so that we can be in it and um and blake miller not here but one of the partners in the collective um, has done a lot to help bring Tech Week to Kansas City and help uh, organize and get things going.
0: Okay. Well, that brings up another question I had. Tell us a little bit about your team and how they fit into helping you really root this here, if you don't mind. Tell us about sure. Blake and, and your other sure. partner.
2: Blake. Well, Eric,
0: Blake, and I
2: um, are the three who had we had incubators, and that was how we met was kind of um, as the three incubator, separate, three separate incubator owners in Kansas City, and um, so I don't know, we were maybe like started off as frenemies or something. Like we, we, we had a lot in common, but it's we a were great mastermind group, though. So they're yeah. competing, yeah, um, and that's one of the cool things about Kansas City is three people who are directly competing end up collaborating instead because it's open and collaborative mm-hmm. and social, and that's just kind of like the underlying yeah. culture of Kansas City is just about anyone will take a meeting with you and talk to you for a little bit and hear you out. And most often they end up giving you advice and helping on an ongoing basis, at least in my experience. And that's what happened with us. And what brought us together was one day over beers. I think we were at Snow & Co. uh, Snow & Company in the Crossroads. Nice. Um, uh, We started talking about, man, you know, what happens day 91, I think you called it, Eric, (laughs) when the day a business leaves our programs, What's next? And there's just kind of this big blank question mark there. Of, well, <laughs> There's nothing that's Snyder. lost. And we started floating around ideas of how can we encourage investors that and uh, educate them, really, that it's safe to participate in this early stage of business. We can safely deploy capital and get it back with a, with a return. But it's safe to deploy it and we can get it back and we can start this cycle. Because this is a new thing. And that's not something, you know, Kansas City... There's an early adopter community, but as a whole, we're not early
0: adopters. Still pretty risk-averse. I mean, that's kind of a Midwest thing, right? Yeah. It's a show-me state for a reason. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) And that's good. And so that's
0: what most of our investor conversations are is
2: education. And that's going to be an ongoing piece of the collective is active involvement in education. Let's learn about this industry. Let's learn about this startup. Let's learn about how to do a due diligence, whatever it may be let's learn about this private equity space because many of them aren't private
0: equity investors. They're doctors. Or well, like, yeah, that's the thing. you got a guy that's a surgeon or something that, that has the aptitude for it, mm-hmm. but maybe, hey, they didn't sit in a B-school class and learn to read a balance sheet. So that's a great intro to them as well. Yeah. Right. Okay. So
2: this the collective, in a way, was what we've built around it is a community that can learn together and participate collaboratively collectively, if you will, together Excellent. to help understand these early stage opportunities and chart a path for their growth so that we can accelerate them from that $1 revenue to a point where we can exit our position in that company a little bit down the road, as frankly, as early as possible, Sure, perhaps as early as two to three years down the road, which is very quick for private equity, um, and get a return on that and reinvest it back
0: in Kansas. So the three of you, Blake, Eric, and Alex, you guys... Kind of sounds like you'll you'll give the comfort to some of these inexperienced and experienced investors that number one, uh, you're used to working with these these companies. I mean, I know you worked with over seventy or so. I'm guessing through Sprint, you probably had similar, if not bigger, just numbers of companies. You're talking between the three of you, hundreds of these companies you've seen come and what's made them successful before and after. So yeah. that's that's a huge asset.
1: I got to think we unsuccessful. You know, I think it's just a lot of that yeah. pattern recognition is what we, we keep, you know, coin the phrase a lot, but um, yeah, I think that's, that is our, that is our goal is to bring not only the, the, the four partners um, knowledge, but again, the experience of the broader community with us as well. And I think the, the true asset that we have on our team, in addition to the three of us, um, Shane, uh, Spencer, who was somebody that um, we ran into along the journey, <laughs> um Mm -hmm. collisions yeah it down
0: at think big right yeah yeah,
1: he he just happens to be a professional fund manager and and we talked to him about this idea that we had and he came and put a lot of structure around the idea of what we were doing and helped turn it into something that would actually work so he's the individual that kind of glued it when when you had the idea
0: may or may not had all the pieces to implement and he helped sew that together a little bit more. Well, the three of us had this concept of, yeah. okay, there's this opportunity, there's a
2: void, and we, between the three of us, we don't have experience in the late-stage venture capital, mergers, okay. IPOs, in, in that realm. And so we brought Shane in, who we knew was familiar with these things, and he immediately caught on to, coming from where he came from, this is an opportunity. Like, this actually translates. This is a way to merge these things. So Shane is the one who, when we do go talk to established investors and institutions... He's the one who fields most of those questions because he uses acronyms and things and he's the one who does most of the communication with sure. our lawyer. Because outside of the conceptual part, which is you know the the pattern recognition and the engaging with startups and this the that kind of chaotic world over there, Shane's the one where the rubber meets the road and helped put an actual structure to this. There's and gotta it's like, be I'm this guessing is possible. This a is
0: giant possible. regulatory and administrative side to this that, that he oh, yeah. brings a lot of good knowledge. So oh, yeah. that's that's interesting because something like that, I gotta think, is hard to understand and find. Yeah. You know, you, you do years of learning for things like that. Well an overall theme that I'm getting, guys, and, and I remember looking kind of scouting you online, Eric, that you had somebody that, that had called you the best fixer <laughs> in town. But it that seems to fit with it sounds like you guys have really kind of just gone down the line identifying gaps, identifying gaps and now found the pieces to bring a lot of those gaps together on the company side, the investor side, the, the regulatory side, whether you had it or not. So that, that to me makes an interesting cohesive path for you guys. Here's a gap. Let's fix it. Yep. That's cool. I love it. That makes for a great story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as far as, you know, obviously you guys love Kansas city. You've said that a bunch of times and, and we all do. Um, I think we've heard a lot of unique things about the town that make this something that'll work here. You know, the collaborative nature that we have going on and things. But as far as you guys personally, uh, Alex, I know you're involved with a lot of charitable things, but you've kind of got one that you started here um, that's kind of your baby, right? What's that called? Yeah,
2: well, I I can't even take full credit myself. Um, I was involved in it, absolutely, but uh, Raise Your Hand for Kids. Okay. Um, is an initiative. It's a ballot initiative that will be on the ballot in November. Okay. Um, it's to raise the tobacco tax in Missouri and have 100% of those dollars go towards funding early childhood education and health. So um, we have the lowest tobacco tax in the state by a significant
0: number. No. I, I did a little background on that. I think this is 2015, but I looked at surrounding states like our cost per pack, mm-hmm. and I think ours was was an average of five sixty four. Even Kansas is an average of seven oh two, and Iowa six eighteen, Illinois thirteen twenty five, with a lot of that being excise tax. Correct, mm-hmm. and if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't our state excise tax on these items the lowest in the country? In the country,
2: by a significant measure. Okay,
0: now. Hey, you want to smoke, you don't want to smoke, that's that's your choice, right? Mm-hmm. But let's face it, it's a choice, and if you're going to tax something, okay, with me. <laughs> well, so this was, and the reason I got involved, this
2: wasn't even my Groups have tried before, and this has, uh, through a uh, couple times in the past, over the last uh, about 15 years, it's been on the ballot twice before, and it's failed. By small hmm. margins, but it's failed, and that's usually because as you navigate the road from uh, putting together the ballot language, getting the signatures and getting it on the ballot and raising the money to do it, all these special interests come in and it kind of gets convoluted and it fattened loses up. the original focus fattened up. And so this was, um, so the Alliance for Childhood Education was the group who was the first backers where all this started. And I got to give huge credit to Tyler Notberg, um, who's the president of that board, um, for doing a lot of the groundwork. He's also, he's the president of U.S. Engineering Um doing a lot of the groundwork and surveys to find out how can this work, and he approached me and said, I want to just hyper-laser focus just on this issue. How can we raise the tobacco tax to be on par with other states, and still, it puts us in the lowest half. Right. It's not it. like it's going to go through How can the roof? we get back in line with where other states are, and then tie it to solving another problem we have, which is we're among the lowest in funding for early childhood education. Zero to five years old, 80% of brain development happens there, yet we spend the least amount of money doing that. So we keep putting all this money into education, trying to fix the consequences of what happens when you miss this opportunity. Um, and so what happens if you directly tie raising the tobacco tax and have hundred percent of that money go towards early childhood education? Um, well, what happens is a lot of other interests say, well, we want a piece, we want a piece. And it gets <laughs> difficult to navigate, but um, you know, I, I really admired his laser focus and said, I'd love to come on board and help establish a board and, and, do fundraising, get this thing going. So it's and that's a whole other long story later, but here we are today. It was approved. Um, and it will be on the ballot. Great. So vote yes on three, everyone. I love it. So this <laughs> it
0: sounds like by keeping it as you call it laser focused, it keeps it kind of nonpartisan. I mean this is yeah. not a this is not a party issue to me. This is is it right or is it wrong to you morally and vote.
1: Which
2: is why vote I is. fell in love with it to begin with, because right. This was just a clear policy issue, not a political
0: right. thing. I like it. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. And and you surprised me when we first met that I didn't know you were originally involved. Education's one of your babies, kind of. Um, you were involved originally with the Lean Lab when they founded it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katie Booty, the, one of the founders there, was one of our past guests. And What a, what a cool organization. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I, I see your history
1: there. It's showing me. And I, I know you've very
2: been involved too, it. Eric, with the Lean Lab helping out. Yeah. Really, really huge support.
1: He so didn't long. tell me that. He took it away for himself. <laughs> no, no, I've only, I've, only, I've really sat on the sidelines with them, I, but I really appreciate what they're doing and, and try to contribute as much as I can. Um, but, you know, education is definitely a, got a soft spot in my heart. I think, you know, I feel like I was fortunate enough to be well-educated and yeah. um, find, find ways to give back as much as I can there as well. And so a couple, you know, uh, just to plug a couple organizations I really love in Absolutely. town. Absolutely. Um, That's a nice question, um, the next question. I'm on the board for an organization called Show Me Casey Schools. Um, and you can go to their website, Show Me Casey Schools uh, it has a fantastic database of um, education uh, institutes in Kansas City, different schools. Um, it's really just trying to help it make it easy for um, parents to find the right school for their kid. I think cool. too often we find that the perception of What's going on in KCMO or wherever else in in, in the Missouri side of the state line specifically um, is a lot of perception and not reality. And when you walk into places like, you know, a foreign language academy or a crossroads academy or, you know, district charter, it doesn't matter. There are really great shining gems out there. And so really try to um, help shine a spotlight on schools that are making a really big difference in Kansas City.
0: I love it. Sounds like a really cool resource for folks to
1: examine. Yes. Who else you got you like? Uh, well, I, and then I, we, uh, I started two, two school years ago, just kind of as I was getting started in this, I, um, joined with a group called, uh, uh, lead to read, which puts young people or, you know, doesn't matter what your age is actually, you uh, be of any age once a week, go read to students or go read with students in a classroom or the lunch hour. And so. Um, been getting a lot of organizations plugged in and a lot of of groups and companies in town plugged into reading over the lunch hour with kids. They find that if you're not reading at third grade level by third grade, it sets you so far behind in every other single metric. Because in fourth grade, you change from learning to read to being able to read to learn. And so you can't learn advanced concepts if you aren't reading at par by that grade level.
0: Well, and you know, I don't. I know I've read it somewhere before, but you know that is one of the biggest influencers in reading level is early on being read too mm-hmm. consistently. Awesome. And you know, like it or not, if somebody's parents have to work a lot to make it for the family, that might not happen as often as it should, or whatever personal things are going on. So that's a really cool thing, man. I'm going to have to check that out a little They're bit s- deeper.
1: Still seeking out volunteers for this school year, so there's. We have, I think, well over seven or 800 readers um, working in first, second, and third grade classrooms across Kansas City, um, both sides of the state line. Um, but there's, I think there's something like 20,000 kids uh, that are below that grade level benchmark, so we definitely need a lot more volunteers. So okay. Definitely so, and, and we green. can probably find that, I'm guessing, just looking lead to read KC yep. Yep. on Google or something.
0: Exactly. Okay. That's sweet. <laughs> I didn't know about that. And I think gosh, 20,000. Uh, previous gal said there's something like 112,000 students, I think, in all the districts in our area. So that's a pretty stiff number. That's like one-sixth or more. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's cool, man. Cool impact. Well, I warned you guys ahead of time, which I don't normally do, but uh, <laughs> I wanted to be fair. Um, one thing I always like to get from folks who, who love our town is kind of what I call their hidden gems, things that you think would be awesome to share with the rest of Kansas City that they should know about. And that can be, you know, uh, a theater, a park, a bar, a restaurant, you know, a, another charity organization, just whatever. So uh, ready go.
1: go. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll throw a couple of my usual plugs in. I, I live in the Waldo neighborhood. Um, Excellent. And I just, I I love everything going on down there, being able to walk uh, to, to Brookside or Waldo or, wherever you know there's great parks and everything like that but uh, i i can often be found at um uh beer station uh which is a fantastic beer bar just down the street from my house which i love and then the other thing that i love is playing recreational sports and if you guys haven't if you're interested in recreational sports um casey crew nice. is a fantastic organization that um, they've got thousands of people um playing rec sports around town but they just opened up a six court sand volleyball complex the front, right? on the riverfront. And Luke has just been doing an amazing job in redeveloping our city with projects like that. So cool. definitely check them out. I think they're one of my favorites. Might have to try cool. to get them on one of these shows. I well, think they Luke would be a great, be a great one to have on. That's cool. That's cool. How about you, Alex?
2: Well, I and I don't even know if it's a hidden gem anymore. Oh, okay. I, live, I live downtown um, and I still go to Snow and Company all the time. That's mm-hmm. where this whole collective conversation started. Um, and whenever I have out-of-town guests in town, Snow and Company is always one of those unique things. Frozen alcoholic beverages, um, you just don't find them elsewhere, so it's a really unique thing. So, that kind like of fruity drink as a still hidden <laughs> gem. Um, sweet, I love that place. Great atmosphere. Um, and then you know, all second, Riverfront Park, it has changed so much. It's one of those kind of destination places because you don't just happen to find yourself there, you have to go drive down sure. to there, but when you do. They have done so much work down there, and it is such a wonderful place to be and spend a day and hang out. They do free movie nights. They got this gigantic inflatable movie screen that they do by the waterfront, and and, uh, hundreds of people come out there. It's incredible. So that's one of those things that's on the rise.
0: Well, and your last statement, I think, is very, very true. I mean, the the Bar K guys, I've talked to them, obviously, they're going to be down there. (laughs) Port KC is working really hard to make that something. I know they've got some vision for residential, retail, stuff like that. And that's just going to be great. I mean, River Market is doing its thing and it's really successful. and still growing, but eventually there's only so much space there. <laughs> it's going to keep going. So that's really cool that there's so much going on. I love it. Well, guys, I appreciate you coming and sharing everything with us today. I think this is going to be uh, although I'm a little willy-nilly on what we've covered, I think this is going to be uh, kind of an eye-opener to a lot of folks that that don't dive deep in this kind of world typically. So thanks for sharing it. It's awesome. Um, before we go, I just want to make sure that I get uh, some of the stuff right. Um, as far as uh, the collective, where can folks go to find out more about that?
1: You go to uh, thecollectivefunds.co okay. um, is our website. And uh, there'll be plenty of information there. And we're also on your favorite social network as well um facebook linkedin um check us out there cool and that'll have lists of events that you guys are part of and you know things like that contact us link as well if you guys want to give us a shout you know
0: outstanding well thanks again for coming guys i think this has been a great eye-opener tons of fun i know i've learned a ton and i hope you have a great day thank you you. Sounds like quite an ambitious venture, doesn't it? VC firms have been fairly well-established in our area for several years, but hopefully this new approach will help even more companies succeed and ultimately stay in Kansas City for the long term. I'll be watching closely for the announcement of the collective's first investments in the next several months, and you can bet you'll hear about it from me and several other channels when it happens. So thanks for joining me again for the show. If you haven't already... Follow at Casey Greats on Twitter or like the Facebook page to keep up with what's going on in the show. And finally, if you know someone you think should have their story told, please let me know. You can always reach me through the social media channels or by emailing scott at CaseyGreats.com. Have a great week. I'll see you next time.